Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today are Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning, Simon. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago. Hello, Johnny. Good morning. Last week, we had Gazer Singer on the show, uh, giving us a rendition of his photographic life, and I'd like to thank Gazer again for sharing some of his experiences with us. This week, we're going to be talking about 24 to 28mm lenses. But before we do that, here's Johnny with some feedback from last week. Right. Uh, we had some nice feedback uh, comments from folks who appreciated hearing from Geza on the podcast. That's very nice to see. Uh, we also had some uh, uh, comments generally about the, the podcast. Um, uh, one in particular I wanted to mention was um, a buddy of mine, Lucas Frizee, who uh, many of you might recognize him from uh, probably vintage camera collectors. Um, he's in our, he's in the photography with classic lenses group as well from time to time. Uh, but he, he told me that he had uh, binged nine episodes over the course of a couple of a couple of days driving. So, uh, Lucas, thanks a lot, man. That's, that's really cool to hear. Uh, glad, glad that you are enjoying it and, uh, more on the way. Um, so that to me, that was the most notable comment from last week. I don't think Mehdi Buhalasa even bothered to listen, but well, maybe so. he did. <laughs> no, I'm no, I know Medi listen. He's he's listening with his cats right now. Um, <laughs> I wanted to mention Flowergate. I mean, let's just get right into it. If we're going to recap what happened last week in photography with classic lenses, to me that was the highlight. So, and we we haven't discussed the fact that we were going to discuss this, but that's why I wanted to throw, that's why I wanted to throw it out there right now and see what everyone's uh, comments were just right off the top. Um, I don't want to name names. I, I don't think anything this was at all malicious, but I know that it's been mentioned before, perhaps fairly, um, that there's a lot of flower bokeh shots in in uh, the photography with classic lenses Facebook group. I don't have any problem with that personally. Um, I suppose in the spring it starts to look like monoculture as far as you know, what the images are perhaps with lots of flower bokeh shots. I mean, it is spring in the Northern hemisphere and a lot of folks are shooting flowers. I think per mentioned that. Um, but I know there was a hashtag floating around. Was it no, no flower guys? Is that what it was? Well, I think it's worth, worth remembering when, when Carl <laughs> and Derek started this group, it, it was yeah. originally called uh, flower photography with classic lenses. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we, uh, we persuaded Carl to drop the, uh, the, the, the flower and it just became photography with classic lenses. But no, it, it was, uh, um, it, it did raise a few, well, more than a few comments and, uh, and, and a lot of reactions. There. And, and, and I think you've alluded to it. It's not the very, it's not the first time people have mentioned that uh, we we are quite flower heavy uh, within the group and and we are uh, there's 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 no two ways about it but um, mm -hmm. again like yourself I don't have a, a specific problem with that because ultimately it's about how people want to use their old lenses and it's it's very convenient for many people to be able to just go outside into their gardens or somewhere close by uh, to take these these close-ups I mean a lot of the time uh, they're not specifically trying to take flower shots they they want to see what the rendering of, uh, of the bokeh is like on a, on a given lens and if you take photographs of a, a similar kind of subject uh, relatively regularly then it's a lot easier to be able to pick out the nuances of 
what a, a pancolard does compared to a planar, for instance, um, in, you know, with uh, various things such as the, the um, just the general rendering or sharpness of, of, a, of a lens. So if you do the similar kind of things, then it's it makes it easier to to compare. And other people have got other things that they can more easily gain access to. And uh, there are some people who just do not care about flowers, and they and their photographs not interesting unless it's got a person in it. Um, and that's great. Um, and if people like doing street photography, that's that's great too. And it's I think James Giordano made a made a really good point. Um, he wasn't having a go at the flower photography as such, but he was saying, well, he doesn't specifically learn anything from one flower shot to the next because he doesn't take flower shots. Um, whereas he's very much a, a, a model shooter and he will see the differences with, with one classic lens over another um, with, with people shots. So those, those shots for him are far more relevant, but he's, he's certainly in the viewpoint of live and let live. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, you know, Carl, tell us what he thinks as well. But I I just, you know what, if there's something I don't want to see, I just scroll past it. I, I really don't have a problem with that. So I I, I think you make a great point, Simon, that it's you, we, a lot of times we shoot what's on hand or what's at hand or at, you know, arm's length from us. Um, and so I, I kind of quite like seeing what's in people's garden. So it's fine with me. I think Carl's got his microphone switched off and he might be talking oh, at yeah. the moment. Yeah. On mute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, right. No, I... I, I, <laughs> I missed your whole monologue, Carl. I, I think we have a great diversity of different kinds of photos. And if you don't believe it, you can look at the current banner image or the one that was before that or um, a lot of the nice photos that have been shot with wide angle lenses lately. And um, like someone said, hey, it's spring. And if you live up north and all you're looking at is snow or or gray and rain and, and all of a sudden there's beautiful spring flowers out, you might go shoot them. And if you like to do gratuitous bokeh shots or bokeh shots, you might, you might like that too. And maybe that's why we're talking about 24 to 28s today because they're not the greatest lenses to pick up and go and shoot photos of flowers. I don't know. Not really. That's not why. And now I think Johnny's got Good. his microphone switched off. Uh, no, I'm, I'm here. I was, I was just going to say, great segue, Carl. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> that sure. was awesome. Well, Very right. So, so we're talking about 24 to 28 millimeter lenses today. And um, I suppose people probably guessed that since there were two posts asking about 24 to 28 millimeter lenses. And, and uh, the first one was just, uh, what are your experiences with lenses in this uh, focal range? And we had 109 comments. And um, they're pretty cool when we got um, comments from people about all a wide range of, of, of lenses the first one was about a, a distagon 28 millimeter which i think simon has had and we, we've seen photos from from those before we know that that's a fantastic lens um, i really liked the post and i hope pronounce i hope pr pronounce people's names uh, reasonably well um georg uh, fielder um, he has a nikon 24 f2 which is Kind of a rare lens i've not ever seen anyone else post photos with it on this page and um he posted some photos and the second one that he posted of a young woman with glitter on her face i think is just spectacular and uh, and he says that it's a it's a it's a picture that's velvety and warm and at f2 it's really tough to nail the focus but when you do it's just beautiful and I, and I agree from looking at the pictures that he posted it's a little bit outside of my price range 
for, for a 24 millimeter lens, but I, I really like it. And uh, there was a little bit of discussion about that. And then, and then we have posts from people about Sigma mini wides, which I think many people have. And then um, Philip Marsden posted just a really nice um, shot with a Rokinon 28 2.8 um, M42 mount lens of, of, a, of a young girl by a fence with just really, really beautiful colors. And then um, Sean Harkin uh, likes his 24 2.8 AIS. And I think that's, you know, one of the lenses we know really shines. And um, um, Nigel Stanley um, posted a picture of the 24 2.8 Canon. Which it looks like it's in, I don't know, Netherlands or somewhere that has canals with little boats. It's beautiful. So we got a really nice range of, of uh, different lenses showcased. Um, Ray, shot a great shot with his mini wide and then roger um treated us to one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven photos um that i think i think do a good job of illustrating the range of things that you can do um, with lenses um like this although well he cheated a little bit and he used the 18 28 for for a couple of the wide shots but they're nice shots anyway and so thanks for those pictures roger and um and then uh, I'll end with Phil. So Phil has an interesting post about um, the lenses in this focal range. I have to read it because I don't 100% understand it yet, but I'm, I'm trying. Uh, deserve to retain a movie-style mount-type lens to match the output I might offer. Okay, and I would look into C-mount lenses that have a cinema look. And then he shows a really cool picture of a, a Swiss lens that's one of the ones that he's probably adapted to his cameras and if you don't know phil phil's a genius in adapting um, cinema lenses and other kinds of lenses onto cameras and taking very unique photographs so it was it was a really interesting post and we got a great response to it so thanks everyone who responded so thanks phil and also uh, one of the interesting things that happened during the post is someone got on the topic of certain lenses not working wonderfully on the full frame sony alpha 7 II, and they specifically mentioned that the nikon 24 ai wasn't as fantastic as on an aps-c sensor and i've kind of found that myself and they mentioned um, a online comparison of 24 millimeter lenses and how the um, um, H Zuko um, one uh, 24 2.8 lens. It's an Olympus. Um, really shines on the, on the Sony Alpha 7.2, and I bought one the same day that I read the comment. So I have a. I'll talk about this lens a little bit later, but um, not surprisingly, I read something on the page, and it resulted in having one more lens in my collection. So I 40, <laughs> 46 instead of 45 now. Okay. I feel I want to just pull the conversation back because i've uh, wrote wrote something down there because I, I must admit i've not actually um spent that much time on that that thread um and i found the uh, one of the ones you mentioned a photo by philip marsden uh, using the rokinon 28 2.8 uh, which he and you have um read read it out from there saying m42 um, which is ringing lots of alarm bells to me. What, what, what is a Rokinon 28 2.8 M42 lens? Which yeah, is possibly, so I possibly I a rhetorical know. question. <laughs> I don't know that. It's, I mean, it's obviously, I'm, unless secretly the Koreans were making lenses a long time ago and we didn't they know. They were. 
<laughs> they were okay. actually. Well, okay. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it, it may be that he's talking about, you know, one of the, I, I'm not sure either, I, but I suspect he's either talking about um, if there is a modern produced M42 version of that, or, I mean, he, he could be talking about something from the, probably the uh, 70s that would have been made after M42 kind of was no longer in production and came out was, you know, the focus for um, for Pentax, but there were still people making M42 mount lenses and Rokinon was making um, lenses, uh, you know, they're one of those manufacturers that made lenses for other people under other names um, in that era. So it's, it's, that is quite possible. Yeah. I feel, I'm feeling the urge now to, to dig that post out yeah, and Google, start asking Google, some questions Google, on that because I, I think we yeah. need answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we associate that with a modern lens and um, it's because of the ones that we've purchased ourselves and that had direct mounts onto Olympus or, Fuji or Sony or whatever, or, you know, Nikon mounts cameras. And I, I didn't know they made lenses quite some time ago. Yeah, no, they did. I, I wanted to give it kind of a, um, the wisdom of Phil here. Uh, I, he, I think what he was saying in his own interesting way is that probably we want to look to cine lenses as the, if we're going to talk about 24 and 28 millimeter, um, we we want to look there if we really want to dig into the to the past and and he's right um, you know if you look at especially wide angle lenses that um, the early ones that that made it over to you know thirty five millimeter cameras which you know again we get, just to set the yardsticks here we're talking about you know the nineteen twenties nineteen thirty is a point in time in which you know Zeiss or I'm sorry um, Leica really commercialized that format. Um, and then, and then Zeiss also kind of doing the same thing right at the, pretty much the same time. And the, the wide angle lenses that came over at that time, the early ones really had their roots in, in cine, uh, lenses because, you know, they, those existed and they only needed to cover a, a, a smaller film format. So a lot of the early, uh, wide angle lenses were, were adaptations of cine lenses. Um, and that's, that's true, especially for the Zeiss stuff, um, I'm not. I'm not sure if that's as true for the Leica lenses, um, but we could talk a little bit about. I can give a little bit of background on that. But what's really interesting to me is if you search around, which I've done a bit on 24 and 28 millimeter lenses. You know, with a lot of lenses, everybody loves to claim that they did something first, right? It's very hard to find a claim for that when you look at ultra wide lenses, and I think it's because. There were a lot of manufacturers, especially in Germany, making wide-angle lenses, which would have been used for cinema. Um, and, and I think there are probably a lot of designs that were owned by smaller companies that the bigger companies didn't necessarily have access to. So they couldn't really claim to be the first to do this, first to do that. Um, <clears throat> but certainly you look at you know early 24s and 28s were in that range. And I think Zeiss was the first one to really you know, kind of commercialize those successfully. Um, so, you know, if you look at the early Flectagons and such, they were pretty deep into 24, 25 millimeter lens design by 1950, which is really early on. Um, you know, just to kind of put it in perspective, you know, um, the, fir the, first, uh, the first 24 millimeter that um, Leica ever made, as far as I can tell, was in was an MLMR, which is like a twenty four millimeter in the nineteen nineties, and I may I may be wrong on that, but that's 
that's all that I can find. So it, it you know, 20, 24 is a, um, is a really interesting focal length and in that it's difficult to make. And it was not really a, a widely, you know, used or commercialized focal length until really in the 1950s. Um, whereas at least we had 28 millimeter lenses all the way back in the thirties. So, so right. I think Phil, Phil was on, on track with that one. Johnny, are you a are you a twenty eight millimeter user? Because I know that neither Carl or I are actually a. It's a bit like last week when we were talking, well, the week before when we were talking about one three five lenses. And we spent a long yeah. time talking about lenses we tend not to use, and twenty eight yeah. millimeter lenses are lenses that Carl and I seem to have moved away from. How about yourself? No, not hugely, and I. It's interesting how I think twenty eight and one thirty five are almost spoken about in the same breath, and and. In in some way, they're they're both equally useless. I'll just put it bluntly like that, and we can I can talk it back from there. They're of course not useless at all, uh, but th- they are very useful. But they are lenses that I think uh, are, are the manufa- are easy and cheap to make for manufacturers. Um, they can sell them at a good profit uh, to users, and users will get definitely get some great use out of them. <clears throat> However, you know the 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 lens you probably really want. If you were, um, you know, shooting wi- wideish angle, the 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 really good lens would have been at the thirty five millimeter lens, which is a much more expensive lens, harder to make than a twenty eight. Uh, manufacturers weren't going to sell as many of them, so there's just more twenty eights out there. Now, I mean that one of the first lenses in my kit that I had that wasn't a fifty was a twenty eight. I had a Vivitar uh, twenty eight millimeter two point eight close focus uh, for my my. Um, my Minolta X 700 kit. And it's actually, it's a great lens and I do still use it from time to time. It's just not a focal length. I really connect as strongly with, um, I, 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 if I'm going to shoot that focal length on an SLR, I would much rather shoot 24 millimeters. It just, something about it feels uh, enough wider and different than 35 millimeters to me. So I, no, I don't, I don't use 28 millimeter an awful lot. Um, but I do think it's a, it's a useful, format especially if someone wants to buy a, a wideish angle lens on a budget because really your next stop below 28 is a 24 or 25 which is going to be pricey um a 20 or 21 which is going to be pricey and is much much wider and then you get into you know the the ultra wides below that so it's interesting how 28 much like 135 is it is in a particular niche optically um and there are things kind of a below that and above that that are that are better or maybe more useful but certainly much more expensive i find when i go out with a 28 millimeter lens so whether when i put one in my in my bag uh, to go out on a photo walk I, i'll sometimes think i've just got to use this lens because it's it's here and i, I should really make use of it um and it, I, I tend not to be filled with a great deal of enthusiasm as I, as i put it into my camera bag um, but when i'm actually out there with it trying to use it it's it's one of those things where if you constrict yourself and you have to make something work, then it's a it's a focal length that can work really really well. Um, mm-hmm. I went out once uh, to do some night street photography, as I do uh, sometimes, and I was thinking, what's this twenty eight going to be like? Because I, I I normally go out with a very fast 
50 millimeter lens. Uh, but I took this 28, uh, I took a 28 millimeter out with me, and I was I was really surprised at uh, just by getting lower angles or just 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 working that a little bit harder. Just how well that focal length worked with the with the the streets around uh, where I live, and it was in fact it was it, it was perfect. But uh, even knowing that, I still. I'm still reluctant to want to put it in my bag, but whenever I do use it, um, in fact, actually one of the best shots I got from last year, it was a, a, a black and white shot of a uh, bridge in Wales over an estuary. And it just so happened that 28 millimeter was exactly the correct focal length uh, for that shot. And uh, it was, and it was one of the best shots I actually got of, of that year. Uh, so yeah, if, I think if you work hard with it, this probably goes for any focal length that you're not particularly happy with. You can uh, you can really make something come out of it. It's interesting because I don't I don't even have a twenty eight millimeter lens anymore, and um, it's just odd. odd uh, we're talking about it, but um, I never bought one originally for a digital camera. The, the only reason I ever had twenty eight millimeter lenses was that they came on film bodies that I bought. Um, I bought a, an OM two N, which I later sold to Johnny, and when I bought it, it, it came with a twenty eight 2.5 or 3.5, 2.8 or 3.5 lens on it, and it was it was fine. I, I and I used it sometimes shooting film, and I bought a, a a Pentax ME, and it came with a 28 millimeter lens on it, and it's in the hands of somebody else now that I gave away as a as a gift because I didn't wasn't using it, and um and then at some point oh no I well I I bought a 28 a 2.8 AI Nikkor when I got a Nikon FA body so that I'd have that and a 50 on the film camera. So all three of them I bought um, to have on film cameras. Um, but then when I had that AI, um, something came up about how much better the AIS was. And I read um, a review online about how superior the lens was and uh, picked one up on eBay for a ridiculously low price in mint condition. And it was quite a bit better and I sold the AI and then um, it just sat in my lens cabinet and um, I found myself using the 24 often and the AIS 28 just sitting and almost a year went by and it was ridiculous and so so it went it went away too so so those are all gone now and now I, now I'm just sitting here with two 24 millimeter lenses that do get used and I don't know it's like you know, four millimeters how could that make a difference but to me it does yeah, it does. I mean, I, I, it's just a, I don't know what it is, but it's funny. I just was peeking at the, the, the group here and Alex Clark just made a, a comment a couple minutes ago. I think this is at Simon or uh, Carl. I think this is directly on a post that you made. And Alex Clark was saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to get my head around 28 millimeter focal length. It just, it's always felt a little bit weird to my eye and I, you know, I want to use it, but it's like, something you know i have to kind of kind of uh, force myself to do it or or to make it work and it i don't it, there's got to be something there in the kind of eye to brain perceptual something or other that 28 millimeter lens uh just for whatever reason on our vision is probably just challenging you know and maybe 35 feels more natural and 24 feels more natural i don't know you know but there's there must be something there because it's such a common comment that i think people make that you know, have any kind of level of experience using a 28 millimeter lens that are, you know, fairly serious about photography. It seems like everyone, almost everyone makes that comment. I mean, I, you know, 
maybe we should just leave 28 millimeter just to Gary Winogrand because I think you look at what he did with a 28 millimeter on the streets of New York and it was like the perfect lens yeah. for that environment. And maybe that's just the right environment is street photography with a 28 on you know loaded streets packed with people or something. But you know, I think it, it can work, but it feels like for a lot of folks, it's just not quite the right fit, you know? Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't know, and, and you know, and it's, and it's the other odd thing is, so I'm saying I like 24 better than 28 because it's a little bit wider, and yet I was in Washington early in March, and I took several lenses with me, and I had a couple of occasions to go out and shoot street photography for a couple of hours at a time, and I only used one lens the whole week, and it was a 30, a 35 millimeter Canon LTM, <laughs> and it was just perfect and I never I didn't ever want to take it off of the camera and I used it for yeah. close shots in crowds and I used it for pictures of people across streets and wide shots and everything and that's a wider lens <laughs> so I, yeah there's no rhyme or reason I just my preference yeah. I guess yep I I would agree with that to me I have you know a similar uh 35 millimeter Canon lens it just feel on a rangefinder especially it just feels right all the time <laughs> it's so it's so easy to do everything with that lens and I, I, to me, a 28 would just feel a little too far away from everything. Yeah. It's what's what's interesting though is you think look at the uh, Ricoh uh, GR1 um, compact cameras. Um, that, yeah, from from the film days, and the and it carried on through to uh, digital. Mm -hmm. um, they are considered to be one of the the, the greatest lenses, uh, greatest cameras for for doing street photography. Um, but I guess. There's the, the difference being is you, you've got a very small and slim um, form factor with with mm -hmm. a with a, a GR1, whereas you stick one of those things onto a full frame uh, camera, or it doesn't necessarily have to be a full frame. But if you're trying to get that effect of foot 35 millimeter, then really you, you you're going to have to put it onto uh, a Canon EOS or uh, or a Nikon for that matter, or uh, or a, or a Sony. Mm -hmm. And and I was I think guess there's always that feeling that it's just a little bit too intrusive, um, where it's it's far less intrusive when you're using the the small small form factor. Yeah, yeah, that's it's very interesting comment because so many compact cameras are either 35 or 28, but a, a lot of the the later stuff in the film area was 20, 28 millimeter. And again, I probably down a lot of that down to economics. It's going to be cheaper for them to put a. 28 than a 35 in those little cameras but user experience wise i mean people love those things right so there's there's got to be something there to the fact that i think maybe it it just works better on a compact camera i don't know when i'm using a compact camera like that and i have a number of them that are 28 millimeter lens I, I, as often as not i'm just gonna i just reach out with the thing and don't even look to the viewfinder and snap pictures and i mean maybe that's part of the the ease of use is, is just wide enough that you you can be you know, part, part of the um, attraction to a compact camera like that to me is just really quick bang, bang, bang photos. And 28 works pretty well for that. And maybe I guess it's funny, Gary Winogrand, to bring him back in, that's how he shot 28 millimeter on his Leica in the streets of New York. He would, he, he, he would, he would blow through rolls, you know, in 50 yards walking down the street. <laughs> so I think for just kind of bang, bang, bang street photography, 28 and like a, a pocket auto camera is really great. Um, but maybe for spending more time composing, it's maybe that's what it is. If you, as soon as you stop to think a little bit more, 28 maybe doesn't feel right. Does that make any sense? I mean, sure. I don't know. Yeah, it does. So 
I wanted to ask a question that one of you probably has a really good answer for, and it might get into lens optics a little bit. Um, and I made a post yesterday about this. So I, I have this um, AI Nikkor 24 2.8, and now I have a, an OM Olympus 24 2.8. And the Olympus lens is, well, gosh, almost half the size of the Nikkor. And um, so I'm wondering, so, you know, and one of the things that I, one of the things they don't like about Nikkor lenses is they're big. Um, the, the, the 50 millimeter, they're about the same as the usual ones, but the, 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 long, the wider ones, I have a 20 and I've had a 28 and I, and I have a 24 now, they're, they're big. And um, so um, I was thinking, well, oh, well, that's because um, the OM-1 that that lens was designed for was a small format mm. camera. All right, and so they designed a small lens, and and the Pentax, twenty four and twenty eight lenses that fit on their little um, ME camera, those are small too, but my and I have but I have a Nikon FA body, and it's a big chunky lens body, and the lens doesn't seem big on the, on that body, um, but there must be something more to it. There must be something about the optics that's that's resulting in this big lens for a Nikon, and the smaller lens for an Olympus. Is there? Well, yeah. Go ahead, Tommy. Um, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm just uh, playing around with, uh, because I've got a, a 24 and a 28 uh, Nikon in front of me, uh, both of them uh -huh. AIS. Uh, uh -huh. And I know that, Carl, you were just talking about, in particular, they're the, uh, the 24 and you have an AI. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's, it's, it's worth noting that um, certainly with the 28, um, there's, uh, it is... The 28 AI and the 28 AIS are optically different, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and I think I'm not 100 sure about this, but I think the same applies with the 24 as well, um, and that certainly the uh, the 28 is uh, it's also known as the CRC, which I've I've forgotten uh, what CRC stands for, but it's something to do with close focus close focus correction, and. Mm -hmm. um, and within that lens, it uses a floating element as well, uh, whereas I don't yeah. think the AI lenses do. Um, no. And that's also going to be something that's going to add to the size of the lens as well, I believe. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if it's, if it's got more optical elements within those lenses compared to the um, compared to the Olympus, which I'm pretty sure doesn't have a floating element in it. So I don't know. So I mean, I I owned a twenty four, a twenty eight AI and a twenty eight AIS at the same time, and I have them side by side, and externally they're not very different in size, uh, imperceptibly different. And 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 in fact, if you look at them, um, they look the only the only difference is that the where the nameplate is on the front versus around the front edge on the AI, and the of course the the little cutout. Um, semi-circular thing on the back on the AIS and so there's some things you can look for but you can't look at them and, and based on the size they're, they're not that different the, the Olympus lens is just a really small compact lens which is I like because I, I yeah. uh, just out of interest there Cole what's the minimum focus on that on that 24 AI oh it's uh, so it's I, I don't I can't tell you exactly but it's considerably more than the AIS I mean it's just dramatically different um the minimum focus on this Olympus is pretty close, so I was pleased with that. It's better than on the AI Nikkor. Yeah, so I'm I'm just looking at this 24 AIS, and it's got minimum focus is is it's under uh, 0.3 of a meter, 
uh, which is which is pretty good. And I'm, so I'm just wondering if the AI has has a longer focal length, a longer minimum focus on it, um, which would. Indicate. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It does. So, Absolutely. So that's that's got something to do with this this CRC business again, no doubt. I, I, I suppose because one of the the issues you get is that a lot of lenses are just better at certain uh, distances, and it's it's possible to make a lens focus uh, more closely uh, than than it's. Uh, the hard stop so to speak you can put extension tubes and things like that on but a lot of these lenses just simply don't work as well um, when they focus past an optimal point and that's why the manufacturers actually stop them from focusing any any closer uh, than they do because i'm sure they could they could make it happen but they're viewing that the optical performance is uh, is degraded by having that closer focus so when i um so i have this 24 millimeter lens and i have it on my sony alpha 7.2. And my thought is, this is going to be the lens that I will use primarily for landscape photos. And um, and so it's going to be really important to me to have nice sharpness across the whole image, corners, edge, and everything. And uh, I'm going to do some comparisons this week, but that, that's really what I'm going to do with it. And, and cityscapes and things. You you've maybe have already done the comparisons that included these lenses that I'm going to compare. I, I don't know. Or, or did you do 28s? It was it was 28s, and um, I've got the post in front of me. And if anybody wants to uh, find the post, uh, they can just do a search. If they go onto photography with classic lenses um, and type in, how did I find it? Um, I think I found it by just typing in 28 millimeter test. Um, but I think you can also find it by typing in huge post alert. <laughs> That's what I actually called it um, because it's, uh, <laughs> it's certainly one of my longer uh, longer posts uh, with ex- explanations and, and things like that. And and it just does it just the timing was such that um, I had six uh, interesting twenty eight millimeter lenses um, pass pass through my uh, hands at it's at, at the time. Um, two of which are particularly interesting. Well, they were particularly interesting to me at the time. Um, and the lenses were um, a contact Yashica mount, uh, Distagon T Star. Um, one of the ML 28 2.8. I say one of because there's two versions of that. And then there was a Leica M mount uh, Zeiss Biogon. Um, I already owned a 28 2.8 AIS. Uh, Nikkor, um, and then there's um, a lens that uh, tends to crop up in 28 millimeter conversations. That's a Sigma Mini Wide, and in my case, it's a Sigma Mini Wide Two. Um, I'm not entirely sure there's a great deal difference between the one and the two, to be honest. Um, and then there's the uh, Snyder Curtigon, a 28 millimeter f/4, which is a great looking lens, and that's on the uh, the DKL mount, which is one of the longest. Uh, mounts you get I mean, it's 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 that long you can actually get the things onto onto quite a few nikons so uh, it's one of the few lenses you can actually adapt onto a nikon uh, nikon dslr that is although sometimes you could you have problems with the mirror but it's not usually too much of an issue but i i did some tests and it was just in my conservatory looking at my garden um, on a tripod. So they're not particularly inspiring photographs, but they gave the, um, the it was a, it was an interesting day uh, for, for light and there were some nice clouds and it, I was able to um, test the, the uh, dynamic range of the camera I was using as well. So it could bring out the shadows and such, but it was, it was interesting because you, the photographs are by themselves before you started pixel peeping, they all look good. 
uh, not one of those lenses you would say was was a was a poor lens, um, but when you actually did uh, go into pixel peeping, you could you could see that some lenses absolutely uh, outresolved others, and and it was no surprise that the most expensive lenses were giving the most resolution, um, and those those the best three lenses in terms of resolution were both the Zeiss lenses, um, the Biogon and the uh, Distagon. And also the the nickel, which is not really that much of a, a shock, really, because they are significantly more expensive than the rest of them. Um, the I was a little bit disappointed with the Yashica uh, at the time because the the resolution on that wasn't wasn't particularly good, really. I mean, it looked nice. I, 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 there's plenty of contrast, and I think in sometimes you could look at the picture and say that that produced the nicest photograph overall, but. Yeah, we, we get a little bit uh, obsessive about these things. And if something is sharper than another, then we tend to think, well, that one's better. Um, and it it didn't it didn't perform as well as the uh, the top three. But um, and there's a big but on this. The there are two versions of that, and I was using uh, the earlier version of of that lens. And there's a later version of the 28 uh, 2.8 ml, which is reputedly the same as the Distagon. Um, I don't know if that's that's true or not. It's certainly possible. But I have actually used one later at a later date and uh, tested that. Not against the Distagon, unfortunately, but I was able to just test it, and it did uh, resolve better than the than the older version. Um, there are ways of telling the difference, but I'm afraid it's it's very difficult to actually just encapsulate that uh, by talking about it. In fact, I should have actually taken some photographs because there are some physical differences uh, on the lens. But the, the the biggest giveaway is to do with the serial number. But I don't actually know what the what the point is when one lens flips into the other. Um, so, uh, but ultimately, the the higher number lenses with the uh, with the later ones, as you as you might expect. Um, but overall, uh, all the lenses, as I say, they, they did well. Um, the biggest single difference uh, with, with those lenses was the minimum focus. Um, and that, in many respects, can be the, the difference between why somebody would pick one lens over another. And the, I think it was the Nikon was, uh, was the, the lens that had the closest focus. I'm just trying to bring the uh, pictures up now in front of me. Um, yeah, the you could. It was it was excellent as as to how close you could get. But that also applied with the the Sigma Mini Wide Two, which has got a great uh, minimum focus. In fact, it's got the word macro written on it, or at least the uh, the version two has. Um, and the Distagon was pretty good as well. It was, it was respectable. Whereas the uh, Yashica and the Kurtagon, they were you know, they, they were getting further and further away. So they're becoming less useful as an all as an all round lens. Um, but I think that minimum focus is a, it. It can make a big deal uh, if you if you want an like I say an all round lens. Um, one other point about the the Sigma, um, we've often championed that lens as being a, a great twenty eight millimeter lens on a budget, and and it is. Um, but it's it was absolutely well beaten in terms of resolution between those those other lenses. Um, but it did have a little party trick on on its side, and that's. The it, 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 the pictures just seem to be a little bit warmer, almost as if it was radioactive. Um, but uh, I don't know why that I don't know why it was giving warmer pictures, but it absolutely did, and um, and I've I find those really really attractive. So I, I don't think warm pictures are a bad thing in my book. 
Hello. I'm feeling so warm right now. Okay, I lost Simon for a minute. Okay. Well, I just I just ended there by saying, um, but I was just talking about the mini wide, and uh, I was saying that it produces very warm pictures, and uh, and I was saying, you know what, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and it'd be great if somebody else could just come in from that monologue that I've just just had. Okay. Oh, I don't you know like the mini wide? Go for it, uh, Carl. <laughs> oh, I, I, yes, you I love the mini Yeah, I've had mini wides. I've had three. I've liked yeah. them so much that I've had three of them. I don't have them anymore, but they were nice. I've, I I have one as well. I, I I've just never been able to see any difference between that and my my Vivitar, which essentially does exactly the same thing. You know, I don't know. I think that mini wide has more of that culty thing going on with it. It's a nice lens. I just you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I I think that there's a bajillion. Vivitar 28 millimeter lenses out there. As a matter of fact, there's a whole web page. Maybe we'll put it in the links about identifying Vivitar 28 millimeter lenses. I just feel like they're all render about the same. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, I've I've had a, a few of the Vivitars, and uh, they are they are nice lenses, and I think they're probably they're going to be in the same category as the as, yeah. as the Sigma. I'm, I'm I'm sure because it was. Uh, it, it was it was notice, noticeable that the the more expensive lenses and the lenses that people uh, look up to did outresolve uh, the other ones. So I'll, I'll be in shock if uh, if the Vivitar could keep up um, with at pixel peeping level at least with the uh, the two Zeiss lenses or that or that nickel. Oh yeah, no no doubt. <laughs> yeah no doubt. I mean it, the, I, it's interesting you, the twenty eight millimeters that you shoot with in particular, Simon, are you have like the absolute top tier. 28s so i mean it doesn't surprise me that when you've gone out with them you've really enjoyed using them you know i mean you that you've got kind of the you know the cream of the crop so well i've, I've done it with i've been out with um a, a west german version sorry not west german east german yeah. uh, 28 yeah. on the uh on the practica b mount um which is it, that's that's not particularly a uh, a lens that people look up to, but it would it produced some great great results. Um, in fact, actually, the Practica yeah. B lenses are very underrated in general. Um, although some of them, um, in fact, actually one of those, the later version of that particular lens I just mentioned, is effectively a Sigma Mini Wide Two uh, made by, <laughs> by Sigma. Um, but you can actually tell the difference between the German one and the um, and the Japanese one. They they actually look quite different from each other. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I, you know, another I would throw out there in terms of rendering and color um, would be the the, uh, the M forty two, the Takamar, um, the twenty eight millimeter three point five. Which you know, you figure, well, oh, it's three point five. What's so interesting about that? Um, but at the same time, I mean, the color rendering uh, that that there is kind of another cult lens, the Takamar twenty eight millimeter three point five, because the color rendering out of that lens is it's really pretty unique. Um, it's really nice colors for kind of landscape use and so forth. So it's not a lens that gets thought of or mentioned a lot. And, and really, I mean, you know, M42 wide angle lenses, you figure, well, that era is so kind of so far before, um, in a way the call it the modern, you know, eighties lens design era, you know, those aren't even in production anymore. So the fact that they're so good for being the age that they are kind of says a lot about it as well. Well, I, I don't actually know if it's if it's optically the same or it's just an improved version with better coatings or not. Um, and we have actually talked about this in a very early podcast, and that's the yeah. uh, the early the very first K mount 
SMC uh, 28 mm-hmm. 3.5, uh, yeah. which which I bought off uh, a customer once, and uh, and I was a little bit disappointed to think, oh, it's to see that it was, it's just a 3.5 lens, and the uh, the guy that was selling it to me sort of read read my <laughs> read my face and uh, <laughs> and put me very very straight on the fact that no, this is the best of the 28 millimeter lenses because they've not they've not tried to make the lens faster. Um, right, and nobody really needs a, tw- a two point eight on on twenty eight millimeter. I mean, I'm sure some people do, but uh, generally speaking, it's a lens that people use stop down, and mm-hmm. and the that particular lens is was is very very highly rated. Um, and I yeah. I knew nothing about it until I uh, picked this lens up, and I I did give it a, a go, and it, it was absolutely excellent. And I think if I think if I was actually into my 28 millimeter lenses, I probably would have kept it. Although you've you've mentioned there about um, I've got uh, top tier 28 millimeter lenses. Well, actually, I've I've got the Nikkor uh, because I didn't keep the the Zeiss and I didn't keep the uh, well either of the two Zeiss lenses. So I've I've really just got the one and the Sigma Mini Wide. They're the only two 28 that I have at the moment. Wow. Right. Yeah. Um, but actually, that reminds me. One other thing about the about the Nikon is there are times where, and I'm talking about the AIS now, um, and there are times when it, on my on my Sony it it doesn't actually work that well. Um, and I think it may. Have, I don't know if it's got something to do with the, the floating element or whether or not the element gets quite close to the sensor on on that particular lens. I don't know. But uh, quite often I, I'll see quite smudged edges. Um, that you see on some of the wider angle lenses, and I, I sometimes get that with the Nikon on my my Sony to the point where when I first noticed it, I was think, wondering if it was if there was something wrong with the lens. Um, and then I tried it on on a, a D eight hundred E, which is obviously a native system for it, and uh, and it was absolutely perfect on that. So I think though there are there is a bit of a compatibility issue with with that lens on Sony, whereas um, mm-hmm. I've got the the twenty eight. 2.8 AIS, sorry, 24 uh, millimeter version of that lens, and uh, I've used it a few times, and I've seen no no such problems with that. It's it's just been beautifully, beautifully sharp. Oh. Yeah, so it's interesting because one of the comments on this thread, um, in response to the the question I asked about 24s and 28s, was talking about this exact same thing, of um, those problems occurring with the 24, and that was the one that led to. Um, the statement that um, there's an online review that's looked at all of the different lenses and that the um, Olympus is the one that performs the best. And I found it, and I found the review actually. And the, now it's just one guy with one Alpha 7.2 camera shooting certain things. But um, well, we'll see. You don't have a problem with that one though. But yours is an AIS. Yeah, it, it is. But and and the. I guess the reason I'm pointing that out is because I, I'm wondering if the it's the um, the floating element design of the AIS on the 28 millimeter uh, was causing the problem on my Sony, and if that was the case, why why isn't it causing that problem on the 24? Um, but then again, I may not have been using it in exactly the same circumstances, and perhaps that problem was there waiting for me, or it just it just isn't there. Um, actually, an- another thing, it, it's it's quite interesting. We spent this is a 24 to 28 millimeter conversation. Then we've we've spent 
a huge amount of time on 28 millimeter lenses, which none of us particularly like. Um, and uh, we haven't really talked about that much about the others, apart from the the, the, the 24 um, uh, Nikon there. Um, but the the lens in this this range that is my my go to lens is um, I have a 25 millimeter uh, Zeiss Distagon for contact Yashica, and uh, there's there's. I've read a few things about comparing the the 25 to the 28, and uh, a lot of people say that the 28 is actually a better lens. But I just find, as Carl has been saying, that um, going a little bit wider than 28 uh, millimeter seems to make quite quite a difference. And uh, and I I just I really enjoy using my 20 25 millimeter lens far more than, than my 28. But my 25 Distagon, I think that's an absolutely beautiful lens. Yeah, the other lens that I've had that's been in the same uh, focal range um, that I thought was, I just didn't like it at all, was the Voigtlander Snapshot Scopar 25. And I know Geza likes it and has posted fantastic photos, and I, I just never could get on with it. Um, it was good on the um, Bessa L. It was a, it was just a nice lens to, to, um, to use on that film camera, but um, not on either of the digital cameras that I had at the time. Yeah, I, I had exactly the same experience. I was I was completely underwhelmed by it. Um, it didn't seem to do anything badly, um, and I, I quite I think it was quite contrasty actually, if I remember right. Um, yeah. But it just it just seemed to it it just it just couldn't keep up with my with my Destagon, and I think well why why am I bothering? So if it doesn't work as well as that, then there's there's, there's no point. Well. Really. I, I I think that lens belongs on a film camera. I just say, I mean, the, the, and I think that's the case with so much of this, the conversation about which lens works well with, you know, which whatever. I, it's not the lenses, it's the sensors. And not all sensors work well with all lenses. And I, that's not to say one sensor or company is better than the other, Fuji's better than Sony or Sony's better than Nikon or whatever. It's not that at all. It's just that the optically because of the optics of the lens and the design of the sensor and the you know the type of filter array that's over the sensor and the angle of the light coming into the you know the pixel wells and all that i mean that's it's it, you almost really can't compare you know to me those lenses on uh digital sensors because it's not really talking it's not really about the lens at that point it's about the sensor you know because the 25 is a a great lens and i think if you if you have it on a you know a, a, a rangefinder film camera it's a it's a great lens i mean I, you know I, I to me the funny thing is that i if i'm gonna on rangefinders i i like a 35 a lot and then i like the ultra wide stuff a lot i'm not as interested in the you know 24 25 i'd rather shoot that on an slr and maybe it's because um i don't know it just the precision of using a ultra wide with with perfect framing on an SLR. I really like that, but I, I like the looser framing of ultra wides, you know, on uh, rangefinder cameras. So I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting that the, I think there's something going on optically with the way the brain works and the way it, you know, perceives that little focal length range between 20 and 30. Um, but that's a, it's that 25 snapshots, a really nice lens, but the reason it's snapshot, right. It's called snapshot is it had stops, um, preset to use as a walk around lens where you weren't, you weren't focusing it. You'd, you'd lock it in at, I think F 11 on yep. a rangefinder and just bang away. Right. 
That's right, and then that, that that's a real interesting little little lens, like like the fifteen. That it, has, it actually has cl click stops on the yeah. on the uh, yeah, focus yeah. on the focus and on the <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, one of the things that's interesting that, that that to point out is that when when we talk about you know liking a particular focal length or, an, or the other, um, it's it's all relative to the kind of cameras that we have, and um, and so you know um, I've had an Olympus with a micro four third sensor and I've had a Sony and those are the two that I've probably shot most of the photos on. And so I, when I say I like a particular lens, it's, it's probably referring to one of those. And I've only had my Sony for three months and, um, and, and I'm finding that lenses that I thought were just the best lenses that you could ever make are horrible on the Sony. And so they're lenses that I'm going to use on the Fuji. And then I've have had lenses that I've sort of always thought were good lenses on the Olympus and the Fuji, and they came alive on the Sony. And mm -hmm. I'm going to just use them on that camera. And so um, this thing about, you know, what do we like and what don't we like, it's all a relative to what kind of camera we have. Yeah, yeah for that, sure. That's that's absolutely right. And uh, although we're, we're talking 24 to uh, 28. I, I think this is a good time to talk about the 29 uh, millimeter. <laughs> because I, I guess we're never going to do a podcast purely on 29 millimeter lenses. So this is a good good a time as any. Um, and that's the Pentacon uh, 29 2.8. And that's a lens that um, is maligned and liked in, in equal measure. And it's generally because the, if you use that on Sony, not Sony, on uh, Micro Four Thirds, um, I think it's a great lens, and I remember reading people reading people saying that uh, oh, it's it's a it's a poor performing lens, and I was thinking, well, I get great results on on my Olympus with that lens, and then I've tried it on a full frame, and thinking, oh, <laughs> I can I can see where the problem is because of course on the, when you're using it on such a small sensor, you're you're using the, the, the center part of the image, so it's no surprise that you're getting some good sharpness there, uh, but yeah. when you when you put it onto onto a larger sensor, the, the edges just aren't great. Now you can say, well, does that really matter about edge sharpness? And that's something that we've, we've, we've talked about in the past. And, and I suppose the point is, it depends on what you're actually doing. And if you're, if you're shooting people um, or, you're, or you've, you've got something relatively central which you want to stand out, then edge sharpness just doesn't matter. Um, but the wide-angle lenses are generally used to convey a scene. So, uh, so they, they fit within that category that we call uh, landscape lenses. And if you are shooting a landscape then edge sharpness is really, really important. And, and that's why uh, a lens like that Pentacon gets a hard time uh, because of its, uh, its softness and you just wouldn't want to be shooting a landscape with it. Yep. Well. Yeah, okay, so uh, I'll just, just mark that as a uh, 129. Um, um, okay, so... Um, this is just us talking. Yeah. Um, so, have we? Are, are we going to draw? Bring this to an end and talk about new acquisitions? Sure, that's fine. Yeah, are yeah. you Johnny? Have you got any more to yeah, say? Yeah, I, I have. I mean, I we've probably banged on enough, but I, I do. I've been flipping through in front of me. I have um, the Olympus OM Zucchio interchangeable lens group catalog from. I think this is probably nineteen around nineteen early eighties. But it, it talks about all of the lenses in the OM line, which at this point was probably just about everything they'd ever made. And they talk about the difference between 
what they call their super wides, which they include 24 millimeter in super wide, right? And then they include 28 and 35 and wide. But I was going to say, very this, interesting. This, this sounds interesting. Yeah. I think we should we – Should, um, should I just go ahead and do it? Okay. Uh, yeah, right, just two, yeah. two seconds. I'll, because I'm, I'll, 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 yeah, I, I can, I can do it to, quick too. Yeah, I, okay. I, I, I won't go on and on on it. So. Um, yeah, just, I was just going to add uh, uh, quickly here to the conversation about you know 24s and 28s. I'm looking at – the just in front of me here, I have the uh, Olympus Zucchio Interchangeable Lens Group catalog, which is nice little color printed brochure, the way the uh, manufacturers all used to make back in the day with sample photos. And this is printed probably, I'm thinking around 1982, 1983. So it's more or less every lens that was ever made in the Olympus OM lineup. And they definitely categorize. Um, everything below 24 and below 24 to 18 is super wide. And then 28s and 35s as wides. And even the way they, they discuss um, these lenses, I think is very interesting. I'm just going to read a teeny bit of this here where they're talking about super wide angle lenses. And it says um, the 28 millimeter lens not long ago looked upon as the typical super wide angle is now considered almost a normal wide angle lens. Um, today a super wide angle lens group ranges from 15 to 28 millimeters. So they're, they're really making a strong distinction. And I think this kind of enters into lens design as well. And um, if you look at, I'm just looking at what they're saying about their 24 millimeter lenses here. They're saying that uh, this is the 24 millimeter F2 Olympus uh, OM. This is the world's first 24 millimeter lens having the fast speed of F2. It is particularly effective at low light photography, blah, blah, blah. blah. But the, the fact that like, there was a newly introduced or newly thought of um, category of lens at this point, um, because you were talking about the you know early 70s through the early 80s. Um, and Olympus, I think, brought a, maybe a different thinking to um, lens design or was kind of taking all of what had been done all through the sixties and seventies really with, uh, with lenses on SLRs and rethinking that a bit, which is what made the OM a special camera. Um, but they also talk about the 28 millimeter F 2.8 lens, which is, you know, the more common user lens, much more people would have had the 2.8 than the F two. Um, but that, let me just look at what they said here about, uh, 28 and 35, cause this is interesting as well. So now, Talking about wide-angle lenses, as the most popular among wide-angle lenses, 35 is now recognized as an all-purpose, extremely convenient lens for everyday use. Um, uh, they said since the 35 millimeter is now considered more of a standard lens, the 28 millimeter has become the favorite among uh, most photographers as, as their principal wide-angle. Um, so they're talking, really making a distinction between 28 and 35, as we have been talking about this conversation. And again, you know, I think part of that is the manufacturers really wanted you to have the 28 millimeter lens as your principal wide angle, because it's more likely you would have been able to afford it than the 35 and you would have bought it sooner. So it, it, none of this stuff, I don't think we can ever really separate from um, uh, marketing and, you know, manufacturers obviously in business to sell lenses, but it is interesting to me to look at how they've positioned, you know, the 28 as a, a wide angle lens, the 35 is more of a normal standard and the 24 as, as truly like the normal wide, you know, super wide angle lens or wide angle lens. Um, very, very interesting to see that in, in this old, you know, catalog, because I think it, it really, uh, goes to the thinking about how these lenses were, were used at that point in time, which is right at the end of the, you know, really the wrapping up the, the film era, which was into the, into the eighties and nineties. Mm, right. Yep. 
Okay, well, I think uh, we'll draw the 24 to, well, I actually turned into 24 to 29 millimetre discussion uh, to an end. And uh, let's let's talk about some new acquisitions. Now, Carl, have you got anything, anything new to talk about? Just the lens that I mentioned already is the um, Olympus 24 2.8. And I'll... Um be taking some shots with it this week to see how it does and at some point if i get a good day with the right light conditions i'll put my tripod out and and take some comparison photos um, different kinds of comparison photos with this 24 ai nikon that i have and we can have a look at those and how about you johnny uh yeah i got a couple things actually the most interesting thing new acquisition i have for me this week is a loop. I, I have a Mamiya. Uh, it's a Mamiya 4X uh, adjustable loop. It's a really nice loop. It's like all all metal. But um, the thing that it does that is so interesting is that it's the adjustable focus because my eyes are just complete shit at this point. Um, you can beep that, Simon. Right? Um, <laughs> so actually, actually, no, no. Uh, let's 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 go go again. So, um, I've I've tried to uh, I've I've tried to do bleeping, and it, it's actually a lot, it's a lot harder than it right. uh, it sounds. Okay. So, uh, okay. so, so I'm not going to say shit. I'm going to say crap, and Simon won't have to bleep okay. anything. Yeah, crap. Um, crap's okay. So, uh, yeah. so right. I'll, I'll, so, I'll feed I'll feed you in. Um, um, okay, you ready? Yeah, yeah. And uh, how about you, Johnny? Uh, so my big acquisition this week is actually a loop. I have a 4X Mamiya uh, loop in my hand, which the big attraction to this one is it has an adjustable diopter. So it's basically a focusing loop, which because my eyes have gone complete crap, um, this is my alternative to buying a really good pair of reading glasses to look at my uh, film on the light box when I'm picking out frames that I'm going to digitize and put out into the world so i'm really excited about this loop because i can actually see my film again without trying to hold my my loop at an odd angle to work with my my crappy eyesight at this point so i have that and actually i do have another new acquisition which i, I haven't really talked much about and i'll explain why um i i've talked a lot about the the canon 4sb here the past i don't know a few weeks i've been using that camera as at my daily shooter pretty much um exclusively uh, for, I don't know, the, the, since the start of the year. Um, and so knowing that, that there was one other model out there that had a couple of slight user improvements, um, I got a Canon 4SB2, which does in fact have an, a couple of really nice user improvements. I got a nice copy of this camera from Japan. Um, and the reason I haven't talked about it is I, I, I'm, um, I'm undecided about, well, I guess I'm going to keep it. The reason I'm hedging is that uh, the slow speeds are off a little bit. And by off, I mean half second or one second is more like probably three quarters of a second. Um, and I think that same ratio, they're probably off up until, I don't know, a 30th of a second. Uh, so it, what I'm saying is that shutter is mostly accurate, probably needs a little bit of tuning. Um, it's a really nice camera, which is probably worth spending another, 150 bucks getting it tuned up but then i'm like well why don't i just buy another one that's dead on for 150 bucks but then i'm like well it's a 70 year old camera so it's you know almost 70 year old camera so it, it's probably gonna need a little bit of tuning it's just that my my current canon 4 non uh, canon 4 sb non 2 sb is perfect and i guess i want this one to be perfect out of the box too um but i think i'm gonna have to decide if i'm gonna 
keep it and fix it. Or if I'm going to send it back, I think I'm just going to keep it and fix it. I could probably just go ahead and use it with no problem at the get-go. But anyway, that's my other new acquisition. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think keeping it, you know, um, those old cameras, I, I've been really lucky in getting ones that don't have problems. That, um, you know, to get that Canon 7 that I have and have it be just perfect, as old as it is, it's 1961 yeah. camera. And then the Canon P did have a problem. And, you know, the rangefinder was out of alignment um, Vertically, now the vertical alignment was good. The horizontal was was off, but uh, fortunately, it just took a quarter turn of the adjustment screw in the rangefinder, and it brought it right back in. And it wasn't a bigger issue than that. But right, if you if you have something like that that you can't fix, you're looking at about 100 150 bucks to send it somewhere, right? Get it, yeah, get it definitely, done. yeah, yep. Well, I picked up a few things, although um, it wasn't really this week. It was uh, the week before, but uh, we, we didn't talk about them last week. Um, but I attended uh, a specialist uh, auction for um, Soviet uh, cameras, and it was, an in- in- it was an amazing auction. I think there was something like about 300, 340 lots, um, with the vast majority of them being from a single collection, um, of uh, various Soviet cameras and lenses, um, some of which were very, very rare, and some some items went for very high prices. Um, a couple of the things I I bought, uh, I bought a couple of uh, FS12 photo snipers, um, both with the, the the cases. One of which still actually had its original cardboard box around it as well. Um, so a lot of these things I've, I've managed to pick up. I'm not even sure they've even been used. Um, but there was an item that went for huge money. Um, and that was, again, it was to do with a, a photo sniper, but it was a military version of a, a photo sniper. Now, a photo sniper looks military enough anyway. Um, it, was, it looks like some kind of uh, assault rifle. But this this military version... Um, looked more like it was um, instead of like an assault rifle, it was more of a, a, prof- a proper rifle, um, and it was using a, a something very similar to a, a Visiflex uh, system, uh, because it was attached to uh, what looked like a Fed camera, um, and you you so your 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 eyepiece was was went through a a section that was connected to the lens that was also connected to the camera. Um, so, uh, and I think that went for, it went for over £3,000. Um, never seen one, anything like it before. And uh, it was, it was pretty remarkable. And there were lots of really, really uh, uh, unusual items, some of which I've just, just never seen or heard of before. Um, I, yeah, yeah, Simon, you picked up um, the thing that dropped my jaws. You, you picked up that, uh, 50 millimeter f2 fed lens on a camera right yeah on the the matching camera um and it was yeah. a, a fed s um with a fed uh 50 f2 and generally speaking a, a camera a lens that goes onto a fed camera is is usually an industar of, of some description uh, where this isn't it's actually labeled as a fed 50 millimeter f2 um it might have been five centimeter f2 but that's that's basically right. what it was but the the but it's a very rare uh, combination i'd never actually knew of this this lens uh, before and i subsequently learned that the camera that it's on is also rare as well because most yeah. um, feds have got a 500 uh, 500th of a second top speed 
and this is a thousandth of a second top speed and uh, it was made in um, judging by the serial numbers can't be precise but it, it's probably 1939 to 1940 um, and it was based off a, a, a Leica 3 um, yeah and uh, <laughs> And yeah, there's no no mistaking it's based off a Leica three, um, but it's just a it's a it's a beautiful camera, um, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm getting very very tempted to put some film through it. Certainly, I've seen some pictures that have been taken with that lens, and uh, it's for such an old lens that's uh, and I'm pretty sure it's not coated or it, it might be very rudimentary coatings on it. It's capable of producing some really nice results. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to giving that one a go. Yeah, I can't wait to see the results with that i mean that's a lens i've i've known about and i i mean i would dearly love to shoot a lens like that i i really like the older uncoated stuff and you know that lens is widely reputed but relatively infrequently seen so really great really great find yeah it's got a reputation for for being pretty soft wide open uh which is no shock really for for a lens of that age um and then uh the other I mean, there's so many lenses I picked up which are really interesting. Um, I picked up a couple of Jupiters, uh, Jupiter 3 and a Jupiter 8. Um, the Jupiter 8 is a Jupiter 8K, um, and uh, which is a very, very early version of the Jupiter 8, as is a 19, the, both, both, both lenses were from 1952. So we're talking about lenses that are highly likely uh, that they, they use um, German uh, German optics in them, if not necessarily the, uh, the the bodies. I think the Jupiter Eight actually is, is is quite a heavy lens, so I'm not sure if that is using uh, a, a German body. But the the Jupiter Three is is aluminium, uh, like the like most Jupiter Threes. Um, so that looks like it's a, a a Russian body, but the optics appear to be, uh, or rather, ju- judging by the age, the, the optics may well be German as well. So um, I'm going to do a bit of searching on those because they look very very interesting lenses um and then uh other lenses in there there's a couple of mere ones uh, uh carl's favorite ever lens he's bought so many of them um, um and they're both uh, zm 39 mounts now which is fair enough with the earlier ones but the uh one of these is actually a relatively late lens um i'm not sure if i can't remember now i've got it in front of me it's either i think it's actually from the 1990s uh, which is I've never heard of a, 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 Zenit, a Zenit M thirty nine mirror lens as late as the nineteen nineties because I assume that all the Zenit cameras that they that that would work on were pretty much stopped in the nineteen sixties so that that one's a bit of a surprise to me. Hmm. You know I've never used a mirror one on a Sony full frame. <laughs> <laughs> Better get one. <laughs> I don't think so. I got one. I can I don't look think you up. So. I don't think so. Uh, it, it's it's got to be done, Carl. You know, you know, it makes sense. Um, Absolutely. And uh, just just going to say, just two other lenses. I've I've, I've got to put a shout out about um, one of them being uh, an MTO thousand, um, which true to the tradition of uh, Russian uh, naming of lenses, it's not a thousand millimeter lens. Um, It's actually an 1100 millimeter lens. So (laughs) 1100 millimeter F uh, 10.5 mirror lens. And it's, 
it's huge. It's absolutely massive. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea of mirror lenses is that is they they they're lighter um, and, and just generally handier. Um, but I I've, I've, I'd like to know what a conventional thousand millimeter ten point five would look like because uh, oh my god, it, it, it's this is um, it's this is a beast. And I, I put it onto a tripod. I've I put a post up on the, on on the classic lenses group uh, when when I had it. Um, but I, I put it up onto a tripod and uh, pointed it about three quarters of a mile away at some yellow dot and discovered that it was not only was it a yellow dot it was a jcb excavator and i could read the, <laughs> i could i could read phone numbers and uh, writing that was written on this excavator that it, it just it's, it's a, astonishingly powerful um but, but the thing is even though you're, you're looking at something that's that far away um i still had to use magnification uh, on my sony to actually get a, a true focus um because even what should be you would think is infinity it just isn't with one of those things infinity well there was there was there's probably like another three millimeters a turn before you get to where infinity might be on that lens so you've got to be incredibly precise to, to get a to get a focus with that and even then i was also i got my i got my focus and then i was using a 10 second timer um to say there was nothing <laughs> wow. nothing moving at, at, at all because i've got a good manfrotto tripod but any any kind of breeze or somebody walking nearby would would, would set it off. It was uh, ridiculously powerful and just amplified everything. So yeah. uh, so yeah. they were they were my my acquisitions from a, a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, I think from from that, um, I think we'll bring today's podcast to an end. So uh, so Johnny, perhaps you can tell us uh, a little bit more about how people can keep up with you on uh, various social media outlets. Yep, sure. Uh, I am on uh, the Classic Lenses Facebook group, of course. Um, you can find me uh, on Instagram. I post there pretty much every day as uh, Sisson Photography. And you can find me pretty much every day except my day off on Monday at the uh, camera sales counter at Central Camera Company in Chicago. And how about you, Cole? Okay, on, on the Classic Lenses um, Facebook page, on Instagram as Carl Havens, and it's lowercase uh, all the way through with an underscore between the first and last name. And then on Flickr is Carl Havens with a capital K and a capital H. And I'm in a few places. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. Uh, you can find me on Flickr if, if you look for Simon Forster. Don't forget, Forster is spelled F-O-R-S-T-E-R, not uh, as Carl spells it without the uh, with um, without the R. So uh, that's that's another one. And you can also find me on eBay. I have an eBay shop. If you do a search for it's Fozzy, that's I T S F O Z Z Y. And I also have uh, my own website where I'm selling K and F adapters, and I've. I've actually put one lens on there so far, uh, a very nice Canon LTM lens. Um, that is on uh, www.simonforsterphotographic.co.uk. And uh, as Carl's already mentioned, uh, like Carl and uh, Johnny, we're always on photography with classic lenses. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. It'd be great if you could join us again next week. Goodbye. Hey, wait. I knew that was coming. I know, I know, and, I, and I know what it's this is. A regular, it's yeah. becoming a regular. So tell us, uh, I've tell, com- I, tell us what I you've forgotten. Com- <laughs> what I've completely forgotten uh, is to mention the fact that photography with classic lenses is now officially on Instagram. It's actually been up for a while. 
uh, but we kind of did a little bit of a soft launch on it. But it, it's there, and the reason it's there um, is because it gives us an opportunity on Instagram for uh, our folks who are in, you know, photography of classic lenses on Facebook. A lot of them have an Instagram page. The whole reason it's there is so that we can uh, pick and choose and curate and select the images that we think are the best examples of images made with classical lenses, which, you know, going all the way back to Flowergate at the far, uh, the beginning of the show here, um, uh, you know, anyone and everyone who's in the group can post what they want there. And we think that's great. But having a uh, photography with classic lenses on Instagram allows us to pick and choose among uh, all everything that people are posting, which we think are the kind of the best examples. So um, if you are on Instagram, please do look us up on Instagram. We are, uh, oh, hold on. I'm going to pause and pull up the exact account, uh, Simon. Just let me read it off correctly. Uh, again. Uh, classic dot. This was just too easy for me to edit last week, wasn't it? And you're just going to give me a whole yeah, time. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, man. Uh, okay, so I'm going to come back in. Um, so you can find us on uh, Instagram as uh, Instagram.com slash classic dot lenses. And that is the photography of the classic lenses on Instagram. And um, if you uh, hashtag your images on Instagram, hashtag classic lenses, uh, that's the pool that we're going to choose from to uh, to feature images on the uh, feature account. So take a look at what we got so far. Um, please hashtag if you're on Instagram what you feel are your your favorite uh, shots with classic lenses, and we will be uh, featuring those in the Instagram account. So there you go. That's brilliant. And so good work. <laughs> Carl's like, I hate Instagram. I don't, I don't get it. How does it work? No, no, wait, wait. No, I'm, I'm starting to get it, and and um, and more more people are following, and and I'm getting yeah. likes of things that I post. So, I'm still, yeah, I'm, I'm kind you've of already been, you've it. already been featured too, Carl. I have your that nice shot you got in the cafe of the the folks sitting at the table, the black and white. So you've uh, yeah, already been in picture. there featured. Yeah, yeah, the one, one picture. Yeah, wasn't that with his iPhone? Your iPhone right now. That was an LTM fifty one point four lens. Yeah, yeah. Simon's in there. Pears in there. We got we got all the regular characters. That I, Amon, and not to give anything away, but Amon is going to be featured pretty prominently here this week. He's Amon's Instagram is fantastic. I mean, it, I got to say, I mean, it, it's interesting how we we see bits and pieces of you know uh, people's work uh, filtered into the into the you know the Facebook group. But that's what I like about looking at you know people's sites, kind of like what what you Simon are doing with your um, your Flickr. You know, you're really good there. But but Aman is really has a fantastic Instagram as far as what his work looks like, and it, it's it's interesting that you get much more of the, the character of how he photographs, seeing his work all collected there. So I, to me, that's why I really like you know Instagram as like a portfolio site. It's very easy to kind of browse. Um, and it's it's kind of just easy to put a group of images together that reflect you know what you do. So anyhow, that's my um, my wrap up here at the end. My interruption. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's good. And when when uh, when Pear has that silver painting done of his uh, oh EM, EM1, we'll, or is it? I don't know what Olympus it is, but maybe we'll have some really special, cool photos. I can't wait to see this. <laughs> yeah, you gotta look at you gotta you just go through the dark room. Okay. Roll up, and you'll see a picture of the camera, and it, and it has the front, um, 
what's the part called? I don't know what it's called on a digital camera. The, the thing above the lens that, that protrudes upward um, on the front of the eyepiece. Oh, like the pen of the yeah, pseudo The front of yeah. it is painted silver. I thought he had put a piece of aluminum foil on it or something. Um, ah, okay. Well, I got to cool. tell you, yesterday I saw something that um, would have been a perfect picture, but if I had stopped and taken a photo, like, I might have gotten a shot with a shotgun. So I, I was driving down a and Andy likes to me to take him back on these country roads and drive around in the dirt roads and things. And um, there's usually, um, I mean, we live in in North Florida, so as soon as you get out of the university area, it's like Southern Georgia. And so, yeah, so there's this house um, just off the road with a tin old rusted tin roof and a falling down kind of porch on the front and a Confederate flag. And there's this lady <laughs> hanging out on the porch with a <laughs> dirty halter top on, smoking a cigarette, and um, and in the front yard among all the weeds are about three feet tall there's a virgin mary statue painted bright silver wow <laughs> it would have been a, it's like a perfect photo and i had the right lens of the camera and i thought i can't do it <laughs> this is probably got a shotgun <laughs> just wear your mega hat she'll, she'll love you 